I don't get far enough into a boring book to hate it. Gary Wills. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And as the one who is far more likely to just throw a book across the room or, you know, use it for practicing origami than you, I completely agree with this opening quote we had today. Yes, we are talking today about books that have a very slow and meandering progression. This is especially problematic in the beginning of a book, but that's not the only place that it can cause a problem. My tolerance level of this at the beginning of a book is pretty high. I can handle a little bit of a slow progression, but if it doesn't start getting into something by about page 50, I'm out. I need something. The last book I didn't finish was because it took until page 90 to finally get into something that was interesting. And by then I was so done. I just, I should have put it down earlier. They're asking a lot. My tolerance is like a three out of 10. I have read enough bad books in my time that I feel like if I'm especially reading for entertainment, I'm wasting my time if I'm not into at least something interesting within like 10 pages. I would like it to be immediate as much as possible. I know it's not really popular, especially with like writing classes and teachers, because you want to have this gorgeous opening and then something happens. Just get to the good part. Like that's 90% of my editing, especially when you say, hey, this can be rephrased. My immediately response is, can it be cut out? Because getting to the good part is why I like to read. Yeah, my tolerance level does change towards the ending of a book. And I'll talk a little bit more about this because I just experienced this problem of a really slow ending. And my tolerance level for that is like one out of 10. I am so fed up with this book. I could rant about it for hours. I'm pretty sure I kind of have already to Lee. It was a good 10 minutes before we started that I just sort of went, I took notes for the rest of this month's recordings. Yeah, just while I ranted. So when we are talking about a slow or a meandering progression in a book, it is usually caused by having a lot of details or a lot of scenes that just don't build towards anything. They just exist in a story to allow the author to paint the pretty picture or to describe the main character for literally no reason. Or in the last book I didn't finish, a re-explanation and a wrap-up of everything that had happened in the first book. I already read that. I don't need to read it again. I especially feel myself extra exhausted by this kind of adding useless details. I think in part because the majority of my reading in most of my life has been mystery-based. So I'm trying to keep track of, okay, the flowers were blue, when it just meant the flowers were blue. We're trying to set a scene. We're trying to create all of this idea of artistry and whatever else is going on. When I, as a reader, am actively trying to remember as much of it as possible so I can figure out the mystery. And we're not saying that having description and having those details is a bad thing. It is very good because it does set a scene, but you need to balance the pace. 
Because a lot of us authors, even experienced authors, have a tendency to go into this thinking that having those long descriptive scenes and having that slow progress is literary or artistic, when in reality, it's just boring. There's a reason a lot of people struggle to read classics. And I think on the same side of that, because a lot more of the classics have the quote-unquote literary sticker on them, people like to feel intellectually superior because they're reading boring books. I would ask you to examine why you're reading, why you're writing, and get on to something you enjoy. Like Tolkien, do love trees. If you are a huge fan of nature and it takes you six hours to go on a quarter mile walk, Tolkien is probably great for you. For someone who's more interested in archery and swords, I kept waiting for stuff to move on so we can get to the good part. Great for him, not for me. Another example of this type of novel red flag is when something doesn't connect. If you've ever read A Study in Scarlet, which is the first, kind of first, Sherlock Holmes story, Act 2, in almost its entirety, has nothing to do with Sherlock or Watson. When I was first listening to it, it was on a free audiobook site, and I thought they had screwed up the files because we ended up in Midwest American history. And I was like, this is how the Mormons came into being. What? What, what, what's happening right now? And then Act 3, they tied them back together. But this type of disconnect, especially from your main characters, whom we've established and we're starting to fall in love with, can be very dangerous and cause a lot of people to set that book aside. The last thing that we're going to talk about that really makes a book have a very slow progression and meandering progress is the slow denouement. When after the climax of the book, that final peak, you take so much time wrapping it all up that it almost feels like there should still be more to the story, that there should be another final conflict. I just finished reading a book and I had some issues with it throughout, but overall I was impressed. It was a small press kind of indie publish that had gotten a lot of attention on TikTok And I was impressed, mostly, that the writing had some issues, but we get to this part in the story where it is apparently the climax of the story. It's the final conflict, and it happens, and there's like 150 pages, 100 pages left. So I'm reading, thinking in this last 100 pages, we're going to find something else. Or like, okay, we're still building towards the whole thing, which is to kill the king. And I'm waiting for whatever that is that's going to happen, and it doesn't. She takes a hundred pages to wrap up everything, throws in drama for the sake of drama when doing it without drama actually would have made more sense for the characters and the progress that they'd made throughout the book. So not only did this slow meandering denouement nullify the climax because I kept waiting for the actual climax of the story, but it took away from the character story because they started to regress back to before the life-changing events of the climax. So all of this happened, and then that last hundred pages seemed to nullify most of it. And I, as a reader, was so mad. I sent a text to Lee just after the climax, and I was like, okay, this book is turning it around. I might actually read the next one. And at the end, I was like, no, I am not reading the next one. I am so mad at this because it ended terribly. It was really ironic, too, because I was like, I mean, I have to say there's still room for a bad ending. And I read the bad ending and I was like, well, speaking of. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, there are a couple of things that aren't a novel red flag that can sometimes feel like that slow meandering progression we're talking about. The first one is a slow burn type of story where you're doing things little by little. We don't have to reach the characters change so quick, especially in, for instance, in Enemies to Lovers. They don't have to become lovers at the end of Act 1. Stuff doesn't have to happen quickly in order for it to feel like a fast-paced novel, in order for it to feel like you're not wasting my time as a reader. Now, this is a kind of delicate one because to one person, what is a slow burn is to another person, a slow book. I personally liked The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I thought it was a very slow burn story. Lee thought it was a slow book. Some of that was because they had moments where there was just nothing happening and they were just being artistic and that really just bothered me. Some of that is also the burn that they were going for was supposed to be romantic, and that's not in my wheelhouse. I kind of missed it for a very long time. (laughs) Yeah, which is why I liked it, because, you know, romance in stories is a lot more my wheelhouse. So I read that as a, okay, this is a slow burn romance, and I get it because there's a lot of hesitation in both characters, past trauma, everything like that. So this is a delicate balance to strike, but if you know your target audience and what they like in a slow burn, it's easily achievable. The next thing that might be misconstrued as this slow meandering progress, which actually isn't, is what we call the Sanderson avalanche. All of these bits and pieces in your story are building to something. They are important. They don't always seem like it initially. This is one of the reasons I really like Sanderson as an author. And it doesn't have to be Sanderson. There are other authors that do it, but it's been nicknamed the Sanderson Avalanche because he's really good at it. He does it in almost every single book that he writes. Throughout the whole book, there are little scenes and little pieces that at the time don't really feel relevant. They seem a little bit disconnected in how they're presented. In Mistborn, when we first see the mist wraiths and they take so much time describing this big kind of gelatinous monster that has collected the body parts of a bunch of creatures, that doesn't feel very relevant until the end of the book as part of this Sanderson avalanche where all of a sudden all of these little pieces from the whole book are starting to come together and you see it all in a big whole picture. So yes, while it felt a little bit slow, it's all actually relevant in the end. So if you can make all of those little moments relevant to your story, then it's not slow. Another thing we want to make sure we aren't preaching against are those little details. Having details to especially describe the scene help immerse your reader. These are the moments where we catch a whiff of something and we as the reader can imagine the rain on the asphalt. That helps us be immersed in the scene and helps us get into the shoes of the main character. This is most often at the beginning of a scene or between scenes when you have the scene and sequel we've talked about before. These types of details help you engage the reader. So if you are using details to engage the reader versus preaching at or boring the reader, these are very different kinds of uses of details in your story. 
So by all means, describe that tree. Do it in a paragraph, not in three pages. My rule of thumb is however long the point of view character is spending on whatever the detail is, that's how long you as the writer get to spend on that thing. If I am leaving the house, going to my car so I can drive to work, I don't care about that sunrise. Yep, the sun's coming up, cool. If I am sitting on the back porch with an Italian espresso in my hands, watching the sunrise, I'm going to be spending a lot more time thinking about it, a lot more time watching it. I get to tell a lot more of those details. So we've talked about what this is and what it is not. The reason why slow progress is a red flag for readers is because it shows the audience that you're not respecting the reader or their time. You're telling them, I want you to pay $15 for this book and then listen to me prattle on for 20,000 words before the story even begins. Readers are purchasing your book as an exchange of goods. I will pay for this book, but in exchange, you have to entertain me. Whatever they're paying for, give them that as soon as possible. Yes, you are more than welcome to write those 20,000 words of setup and whatever else, but if it's not integrated with entertainment, it feels like you're preaching and they are not getting what they're paying for. So yes, write those things. Writing selfishly is always something that we will encourage, but make sure you edit with your audience in mind. If you edit with your audience in mind, that will help you get rid of a lot of the unnecessary details. If you edit it from the mindset of a reader, would you spend that much time on someone else's book that takes that long to get into the actual story? If your answer is no, then you should really rewrite the beginning. You should really tighten up those edges, those pieces to make the book flow faster. So how do you tighten it up? How do you get rid of that slow progress that isn't intentional? One of the first things that I do is to make sure that as many of these scenes as possible are anchored in a place. Make sure that each scene has a point, each idea is happening within a scene, within a character's point of view. We've shared before, I believe we also shared it on our writing retreat, a way to break down your scenes and make sure that they all serve a purpose. So every single scene should serve one, we recommend actually at least two purposes for the book as a whole. It should be adding to the world building. It should be contributing to the plot. It should be contributing to the character story progression. It should be contributing maybe to their romance progression. At bare minimum, all of those scenes need to have something contributing to the point of the book other than to just exist. If you're finding that you have especially two scenes back to back that only have one purpose each, consider combining the scenes. Instead of having the character explore the holiday festival and then meet up with the romantic interest and have a romantic moment, combine these two, have the romantic interest conversation at the festival. That makes the scene more interesting, that keeps things moving a lot faster and gives you a lot more room. I think this is one place where I particularly should have improved my last published book. I will admit to my mistakes here, 
I have a little bit of a slow start in Katie ratio. And I could have probably tightened it up by combining a lot of the scenes. In my head, it was all kind of important because the people in those scenes didn't really match up like they needed to be two different things, but it still would have helped if I'd tried a little bit harder to tighten up the beginning of that book. Another way to avoid or fix these types of things is to experiment with the types of things that you can cut out while still maintaining the structure of the story. See if maybe you can cut out a chapter or two at the beginning. If you get rid of the bad beginning, a lot of the times you will start in a much better place and the progress of the book will be a lot faster and the readers will be more engaged right from the beginning. So we already talked a lot about that particular way to fix it in our second episode this month, Bad Openings. So apply that and apply that to the rest of the book. Is there another part of your book that could just be removed that just needs to go away because it's not contributing to the story as a whole? And in light of our conversation prior to the recording of this episode, if they had had that climax after a bunch of this extra drama that happened in the last hundred pages, it would have made the climax feel more real because there's that struggle that the characters have gone through. The reversion of the character's point of view, add those scenes at the beginning so we feel like their character change and journey is worthy. Absolutely. If they just rearranged some of those scenes, it would have made a lot more sense. And it still would have worked for the book as a whole. There had to have been maybe a couple of changes here and there, but the denouement could have been 15 pages rather than 100. So a lot of this comes down to reading your book from an audience's point of view. That's really hard to do if you aren't a reader yourself because you aren't experiencing a lot of these novel red flags on the other side from the reader's point of view. So make sure you're reading a lot and you're editing really well, but all of that can only happen if you write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 